Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the program, everybody. You're listening to the South Bay Show, South Bay Spotlight, on Thursday, August 13th, 2020. I'm your host, Jackie Balustra. Thank you for tuning in. Live, love, laugh, and leave a legacy. That's what we do here in the South Bay of Los Angeles, and there is no better place to do just that. This segment of the South Bay Show is brought to you by Your Actualized Visions. A local advertising agency, Your Actualized Visions offers all your advertising needs under one roof. From logo design, business cards, banners, and signage, to online services such as website design, SEO management, promotional videos, reputation management, and loyalty promotions, you name it and your actualized visions will handle it for you on time and under budget. Built on the needs of their clients, your actualized visions is competitively priced and economical, saving you money and greatly enhancing your bottom line. At Your Actualized Visions, customer service is all local with one point of contact. No more dealing with robo-answering machines, getting the runaround, or speaking to someone in another country. Your Actualized Visions understands your hyper-local advertising needs and focuses on bringing you real clients. They do not buy likes, followers, or fake results. Your campaigns are real, built with real community followers who want to purchase your services and products. The only thing standing in the way of your company's success is you now picking up the phone right now and calling your actualized visions at 310-413-8773. To learn more about what your actualized visions can do for you and your company, visit the website at youractualizedvisions.com. Your actualized visions, your dreams today, not someday. You can learn more about the show and listen to prior episodes on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The South Bay Show or on my website, southbaybyjackie.com. Persistence, passion, principle, and purpose, that's what we talk about here on The South Bay Show. And joining me this morning is our co-host and producer, Deanne Chase, founder of Chase Law Group. For all your business law needs, visit the website at southbaybusinesslawyers.com. Good morning, Deanne. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Jackie. I'm doing well. How are you? I am well. I am well. Um, I just wanted to mention again uh, for our listeners that are wondering where the heck is Joe. Uh, Joe took a teaching job this summer, so he was, he's was he been unable to join us for the Thursday program. Uh, he's still able to do the Friday, but he hasn't been around Thursday, so I've taken over hosting duties. And Deanne, I want to thank you again for stepping in and handling the producing and co-hosting uh, jobs because uh, I, I, quite frankly, I, I wouldn't be doing this if you didn't. So I want to thank you again. <laughs> and we have, we have just a couple of more weeks, um, and then yeah. we, we take the week, we take the week off for the Labor Day weekend, and then the week after that, Joe will be returning, and all will go back to normal. But as I said, I, I just want to <laughs> thank you again for for doing this for me. And oh, community. absolutely no. I mean, when Jackie calls and asks. For help, I, I'm I'm all in. But this has been fun. It's been kind of a, a little bit of an adventure, so it's been great. I yeah, always love yeah. the South Bay Show, anyway. So it was fun to like to see behind the scenes, you know. Yeah, the yeah, magic. Yeah. Well, again, the magic, the magic of the South Bay Show. So I'm very <laughs> excited about our guest this morning um, and and our topic because, as as you know, food uh, ranks number one on the list of things yeah. to talk about. Uh, yeah. and so, and, <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know, have we had anybody on, have we had any restaurateurs on to talk about, you know, how the pandemic has affected them firsthand? I mean, I know we've all talked to people, but I'm just, I don't think we've had anybody on. I don't think we've actually have, not that I know of. Yeah. 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 Well, of. but we will this morning. Well, 
We will this morning, and we'll learn. We'll hear it from. We'll hear it firsthand. So, Deanne, who was our guest yeah. this morning? Yeah. Um, so this morning we have two uh, well-established um, restaurateurs in the South Bay, um, and um, so let me kind of talk about our guests this morning. Um, so we're going to start with uh, Lisa Hemet. Uh, owner of Lido de Manhattan Restaurant in Manhattan Beach and Playa Hermosa Restaurant in Hermosa Beach. Um, we're waiting for just a, we're waiting for Lisa to call in. Hopefully, we'll have her this morning. But I'll still kind of reach uh, read a little bit about her. Um, and then we also have Nancy Brankovic from uh, operating partner of Salsa in El, in El Segundo. So about Lisa, um, Lisa grew up in Mount Vernon, Washington, a small town just north of Seattle. In 1999, Lisa matriculated into the entrepreneurial program at the University of Southern California and graduated magna cum laude in 2003. During her years at USC, she co-founded an events planning company called Summertime Entertainment and started her own dessert business, selling homemade pies at farmer's markets all over western Washington. In 2004, Lisa took over ownership of Lido de Manhattan Restaurant, an Italian-Californian fusion-style restaurant. With a genuine belief in Lido's enormous potential, she has revamped the atmosphere and livened up the restaurant with special events, happy hours, live music, and wine tastings, all fueled by an energetic kitchen staff and an innovative new outlook. Lisa has been looking for the right opportunity to expand and landed on the Hermosa Pier. Playa Hermosa Fish and Oyster Restaurant has had three and a half years of success to date at the Hermosa Beach Pier. And now with her husband and another business partner, she is working on opening another restaurant in Paso Robles, California. In Bloom will be a farm-to-table wine country-style restaurant in the brand-new Paso Market Walk and will be opening in the winter of 2020. So she's very busy. Um, So we're hoping that she'll be able to join us in a bit. So Nancy is on the call. Nancy's one of my favorite people in the South Bay. She began her career as a teenager in her family's Arizona restaurants, bussing tables to make gas money. What began as an after-school job blossomed into a career when she began managing a restaurant while attending the University of Arizona and learned the hotel business at the Westin La Paloma after finishing school. She moved to Los Angeles after she fell in love with Manhattan Beach while visiting friends and has been living in the community ever since, beginning her career as director of catering and special events with Sims Restaurants in 2010. She left Sims as director of marketing and PR in 2016 and was excited to team up with Chef Anne at Sausal in El Segundo. Having gained so much as a resident of Manhattan Beach, she strives to give back to her community by serving on the board of directors for the Manhattan Beach Chamber of Commerce, acting as chair of the board in her final year. She produced the first ever Bite at the Beach event in Manhattan Beach, a food and craft beer festival to showcase the best the South Bay has to offer, and co-founded the Chili Cook-Off, benefiting the Manhattan Beach Firefighters Burn Fund. So... Welcome, Nancy, and hopefully we'll have Lisa join us. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. Good morning, and Good thank morning. you for joining us. It's been a while. Thank you. It's been a while. Yes, I know. It's been, been a while. I haven't done very much in uh, South Bay for a little bit, so I'm like super pumped that COVID brought me home. <laughs> I can say, I guess. <laughs> oh, the silver lining. Wait, <laughs> the silver lining always. There's a silver lining on every cloud. I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, DM was just reading your bio and I noticed it when, when she initially sent it to me, that chili cook-off that you, you produced the the first one, that was Uh a great event. That was a fantastic event. It was so fun, wasn't it? I thought that was one of the best ones. That's all Suzanne Scherer came to me and said, let's do something for the firemen. I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, okay. I, you know, it, when they they did it. They did it two years in a row, maybe three years in a row, and then it just went away. Do, do you have any idea why? Yeah. You know what happened was um, we produced that Suzanne and I actually through the Neptunian Women's Club, and um, we really kind of did it just to give them um, an opportunity to see what they could do to raise some money. And um, I was working with Steve Fairbrother, who's a fireman at the um, Station One in Manhattan Beach. He's a wonderful dude and like super, super passionate about um, the 
uh, Burns Foundation. And what they do basically is um, if anybody is displaced after a fire or any kind of side effect from the fire, this foundation provides resources for them to kind of get back on their feet. And so the firemen go out and put out the fire, and most fire departments kind of finish their job there. And the Manhattan Beach Fire Department started this foundation and really supports people after with like the residual effects of what happens when there's a fire in your home. And we thought that was so interesting and, and really cool and so unique to Manhattan Beach, I think. And mm -hmm. um, so we became really passionate about it, and I thought, well, firemen in Chile kind of go hand in hand. And originally yeah. we thought it would be a fun kind of community cook-off, but we didn't want anyone to – we didn't want it to be, like, competitive negatively. So instead we recruited all our friends in the restaurants, and so the chefs brought their famous chili. So chefs around the South Bay that have are not famous for chili, everyone is proud of the chili they make at home, right? So they all bring it, and we had a really fun contest, and Steve created this trophy with, like, a golden ladle. It was a great time. Super, super fun. <laughs> Um, then they awesome. took it over and were doing it on their own and producing it um, just from the fire from the fire uh, the firemen were producing it together um, without the Neptunian Women's Club and I think that they were going really strong and then you know unfortunately with um, COVID and all these other things that start to happen their training changed and I don't think they had as much time to do it so I'm not really sure I have to follow up with Steve and maybe we'll get it going again yeah no that was a fantastic event and the best part was it took place in the firehouse over there on 15th uh -huh, Street. It's, it, yeah. it's, it's an incredible facility, and, mm -hmm. and it was actually in the firehouse. You know, and they had yeah. you know, plenty of room outdoor, and they had plenty of room inside for kids to run around. It was a family-oriented mm -hmm. event, uh, and, and the food was, I mean, is there anything better? I know. You know <laughs> 20 different types of chili, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like it was the perfect South Bay event to me. Like very, very family friendly. It was short, you know, only two hours. The kids had a lot of fun. The firemen made hot dogs for the kids, and the kids played with the fire hoses. It was really a good time. It was a good time. So I was like sorry to that see that. It should be revived. Yeah, post COVID, maybe it we should could, be. Uh, we could yeah, definitely, yeah. It definitely look back into getting that going because that's a great you event. Know what? Yeah. If Steve's, if Steve's listening or if he's not, I'm going to promise on his behalf that it'll come back. He and I will figure it out. We'll call Suzanne and we'll make it happen. <laughs> you know, th there goes how how small is the South Bay? Steve and my husband ski together. <laughs> there you go. They go on ski trips wow, together. Wow, that is very yeah, small. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I lost yeah. them actually helped the, the firefighters to put the burn foundation together. So oh, six wow. degrees yeah, of there you separation go. here in the South Bay. Yeah. yeah. The South it's Bay a great is a special place. Yeah. Very magical. It really is. It is. It, it is. really is. So, all right. So, <clears throat> us all we know that i first met you when you were still at with the sims group um uh -huh. and and then you uh went into uh co a partnership uh co-owner partnership uh -huh. operating partner for Sasal. How, how long has this all been open uh we just celebrated our fifth birthday in september five years wow that went fast i know Wow. Yeah. I know. Wow. It also kind of feels like a million, <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. It goes really quickly. <laughs> it does go well, really you guys quickly. Well, you guys um, have been, um, yeah, and you guys have been doing, after Sassal, there there are other restaurants that, that you guys have opened in the last five years. What are yep. they called and where are they located? So, unfortunately, um, you know, the economic system uh, that we live in these days uh, shuttered them. But um, we opened Jaffa mm. on 3rd Street in the Fairfax District, essentially, on 3rd Street and Crescent Heights uh, about three years ago. And um, then we opened a second location of Jaffa in the Palms neighborhood of Culver City um, on Venice Boulevard and Goldwyn. And then mm -hmm. um, we unfortunately had to close those at the beginning of the year. And then um, in the meantime, had opened a contest with our good friend Bob, in Hermosa Beach called Mosa, and we loved that restaurant. And um, just as we were kind of on the upswing, COVID kind of closed us down. So we're not going to be reopening that with Bob, although I do think that Bob uh, found another partner and is going to be able to reopen. So we're really excited for him. So the restaurant will still be there, but um, Ann and I are just focusing on Southfall for the time being. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Oh, definitely. A lot of impact what? from COVID. Yeah. That's yeah. the restaurant business. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough in it, perfect it, conditions. It, so. 
it's it's not it's not just restaurants though. You know, um, I'm seeing mm-hmm. you know stats that you know over half of the businesses that have shut down at some point during COVID are not going to reopen. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really it's, sad. It's awful. It's mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. But mm-hmm. but let's get back to Sasol. All right. Um, sure. First off, you know, El Segundo, to, you know, it's still very much a hidden gem. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much going on there, but there are still mm-hmm. so many people that don't know. You know, if you're heading north mm-hmm. on Sepulveda, you, you got to make that left, you know, to get there. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not yeah. just. It's not just all the commercial buildings on Sepulveda. Uh-huh. There's so much more, and and it's mm-hmm. it's such a charming town. And we all know they call it, you know, Mayberry by the Sea. Um, mm-hmm. And it it's it 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 was interesting. I, I think I told you this story years ago, many many years ago. One Sunday afternoon, I said to my husband. We like to take drives on the weekend and check out different different neighborhoods and different areas. And one day I said to him, let's go check out El Segundo. This is a long time ago, 20 years at least. And he said, what's there? I said, I don't know. I've never really been there. I've driven through, but I, I really mm-hmm. didn't know what was going on. So I said, let's take a drive up. We can have lunch. There's restaurants there. Let's, let's go have lunch. So we drove over there. And as I said, this was a Sunday afternoon. And it was a ghost town. I mean, yeah. it was a oh, town. Oh, really? Nothing Nothing was open. None of the restaurants were open. None of the businesses were open. I mean, even the small gyms, and stuff, nothing was open. And, and mm-hmm. we're walking around going, what is going on here? You know, and then I was thinking, well, maybe they have, you know, there are still some old laws on the books. Like, you know, that they're, you know, around the country, there are still blue laws, you know, regarding alcohol. Mm-hmm. And there are still mm-hmm. laws in a lot, of, a lot of towns where, you know, you don't open for business on Sunday. You know, I know back mm-hmm. east there are a lot of them. So I was thinking, yeah. oh, maybe they have, maybe have they have one of those, you know, laws still on the book where, where you know, you don't open for business on Sunday. Okay, fast mm-hmm. forward a couple of years after that, Rock and Brews opens. Right. And not not long after that, the El Segundo Museum of Art opens. Mm-hmm. And it was like those two things just blew the lid off of El Segundo. Yeah. Now, now, and of course, since then, you know, much more has happened since then, but it was like, that was the turning point. And yeah. And I think several, when Rob opened the brewery, it made a huge difference in what was going on yes. in the downtown area too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. El Segundo brewery. Yes, yeah. absolutely. It was like mm-hmm. those three things happened very quickly. And after yeah. that, as I said, blew the lid off and, and, and then, you know, other restaurants, other businesses opened, and Sasol. And you're right there at that intersection. Uh, you were, yeah. You're, well, as we know, Rock and Brews closed earlier this year. Uh, but you're right yeah. across, you were right across the street from Rock and Brews. You're right across the street from the museum, uh, just down the block from, from the brewery. Uh, tell us, tell us, give us, give us a little background on Sasol for anybody that is not familiar with it. Sure. Um, Chef Van is super passionate about Mexican food. And, um, well, anyone who's ever worked in a kitchen in Los Angeles has the great privilege of eating the best food in all of America. Um, and it's not mm-hmm. the stuff that you're eating when you come into the restaurant, I promise. It's family meal. And, um, you know, most of our cooks tend to come from um, Mexico, Guatemala, um, and they come up into the into this country um, and uh, are Working in kitchens it seems to be like a really great place. They kind of feel like family. And um, we're really lucky to work with some really talented chefs that come from Oaxaca. Um, and chef loves Mexican food. So for family meal, every day they would cook together. And yeah, they would teach their grandmother's recipes to her. And she'd go home and play with them and was just obsessed with it. Um, when uh, she decided she wanted to strike out on her own and open um, a kind of Mexican-inspired restaurant. We don't call it Mexican food. We call it Nuevo Rancho. Um, mm-hmm. The restaurant's name, Salsal, is after Rancho Salsal Redondo, which is what this area used to be, a big ranchero. And mm-hmm. um, it's kind of influenced by the Mexican and Spanish 
settlers in this area when California first became a state and the way that they cooked back then, big open fires and slow braised meats and eating smoky tacos and things like that. And that's where our food inspiration comes from. So it's really um, kind of the original California food is what I always like to tell people. Um, and Salsal uh, or El Segundo seemed kind of like the perfect place for it. Um, you know, we had roots in the South Bay and um, Manhattan Beach was packed and Salsal was ready to, or El Segundo was ready to pop. And it seemed like a really good location. And so a uh, chef pounced on it and built it. And then I came and joined her after it was open. So, um, and then kind of uh, helped with the operations and, and got it kind of going in the right direction. And we've been really fortunate that people in the community have really embraced us. Um, they're really proud to have us in the neighborhood and we're really proud to be part of it. And watching everything grow and Rob going from this little tasting room that had four bar stools and now he has this giant tasting room and he opened the slice and pine around the corner. Um, and, you know, it's just been really fun to kind of be watching what I saw the same thing, Jackie, when you first went through El Segundo with like not a lot of people walking around. And now, you know, people are kind of walking from restaurant to restaurant and grabbing drinks and it's fun. It's a really, it's a nice walkable community. Everyone really knows each other. It's, it's really nice. It is. It is. I love it. I love it. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love everything that's going it's on fun in El Segundo. Is. Fun, fun little town, it, it, like you said, very walkable, a lot going on now. Definitely not a ghost town when you head to, to El Segundo anymore. Right. And let me say, yep. it also has the most amazing food. I mean, just oh, incredible flavors. One of my favorite thank restaurants. It is. Thank it, you. it is. And let me let me ask you. So, the recipes. You know, when you when you said the original California food, are, mm -hmm. are these recipes from? some of your cook their their actual family recipes that have passed down generation to generation well i will say um that our famous mole is definitely um something that was worked on as a team based on generational influence for sure um chef anne is incredibly intuitive when it comes to food she's got such a great palate and um she really kind of can take like a an uh, old family recipe and really kind of elevate it to almost like a kind of what we know as fine dining, right? Like French cuisine or something. She adds these little fun surprise elements that really kind of take it to a next level. So um, I would say that the recipes have been developed in tandem with some people that, you know, definitely brought a cooking tradition, but um, it's definitely her kind of creative input that makes it so unique, I think. Yeah, I was wondering if there was, you know, if because I don't know anybody that makes the same kind of food as us all. Yeah, I, it's really, I remember, really unique. Yeah. It, it is, but I, I remember several years ago there were a couple of restaurateurs that attempted what they call like uh, like uh, high 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 class Mexican food. Oh, not not mm -hmm. high class. What's the word I'm looking? Uh, a sophisticated like Mexican food end, or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. High. Yeah, high-end Mexican food, Fancy. which didn't go over. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it and it didn't go over well. They they didn't succeed. Yeah, I so, think there's. I think what people uh, don't quite understand about uh, restaurants. It, it, this is just my observation from kind of talking to people in general. Um, for example, our beef barbacoa that we make into tacos. Um, first, we source the best cut that we can we can find um so we're usually buying um a quality one step higher than kind of entry level quality and um then we trim it in the kitchen um we smoke it for several hours then it comes out and rests and then we braise it for several hours then it comes out and rests and then we uh you know take it down off of the bone, pull it into individual portions. When someone orders it, then we pick it up, kind of like heat it on the plancha, but really ultimately takes about 24 to 36 hours to create any of the base meat product. And um, wow. so if you go into a Mexican restaurant and you're getting um, kind of like a quick carne asada, which is also delicious, I love that food. I'm not disparaging it in any way. Completely different mm -hmm. product. And the amount of hours that it takes to make it is just two different things. So um, when you're going kind of to a more traditional way as opposed to like maybe like a taco truck kind of pickup, um, it just takes so much more time. So it's more expensive. And there's a, a block, I think, when 
you go, well, I can get a taco for $2 down the street. How come this taco is $5? And we're making the tortillas in-house. We're making the meat, you know, in this long, slow process. We're pickling the onions that go on top. Everything is made in our kitchen. And I think that when you take a bite of the taco, you can definitely tell. Um, But there's a little bit of a kind of block there that takes a second to get past to understand what makes it better than a taco that you've had before. Um, And, I think that that's why there's been always a struggle for anybody who's trying to do like a high-end Mexican restaurant, I, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and you said you, said you don't call it. That makes a lot of you sense. You don't call it Mexican. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we've never called it Mexican because it's not kind of, I think, what people think of as Mexican food. Um, but it's certainly Mexican-inspired. Um, when I have to choose a category on Yelp for what we are, we pick Mexican. Right, that's the most appropriate choice. But when we're talking about what we do, it's a little bit different. It's it's definitely like kind of old-fashioned cooking. So, um, and then I think it's really smart that um, you know another thing that we do is not just tacos, right? So we have like these yummy grilled plates. We do at Arroz con Pollo that we do on an open wood fire grill. You can see the wood fire grill when you come into the restaurant. You can watch the cooks making all the food. Um, Chef is famous for her burger. She invented the Simsies burger. So we always have a really good burger on our menu. Um, And so I think it's kind of a fun place where you can get anything that you want. We thought that it would be really difficult to get families to um, to want to come in because the food's kind of spicy. It's not necessarily like a restaurant I think that kids would really be into, but it turns out that the kids are the ones asking to come in. They love our tacos. So it's pretty cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. That is that is that is awesome. And uh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a really quick station break a little early, um, and we have a lot more to talk about. So um, <clears throat> I'm your host, Jackie Balestra. And you're listening to the South Bay Show, a hyper-local podcast that airs every Thursday and Friday morning at 8 a.m. on Blog Talk Radio. The show features the many fabulous things to do, places to go, and people to know in our South Bay. From El Segundo to the Palos Verdes Peninsula, we cover it all. So be sure to tune in each week to keep up with what's going down in our beachside bubble. Now, this morning, we're speaking with Nancy Brankovich from Sasal in uh, El Segundo, and we're just discussing food and uh, Deanna, I was going to say it's a good thing this is an audio cast and not a video cast because the drool, uh, when Nancy was just <laughs> describing all that food, I'm sitting here drooling and now my top is all wet. So, um, <laughs> as, as I, well, as and I the mentioned, flavors the top, are just amazing. Yeah. 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 But yeah, the, the, yeah like yeah. words don't describe the flavors, you know, when you bite into some of these amazing, amazing meals. Yeah, and you said, Nancy, smoky, smoky, you know, I love Mm -hmm. smoky, you know, you know, something as simple when it comes to like ribs, I don't like the Uh sweet, I like the smoky, and and I've eaten at your restaurant several times, and almost everything, there's a little smoky to it, a little bit of smoky. Yeah, Uh uh-huh, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's good. a good flavor. I think it really adds like a depth that um, you can't find with any other element. You know, that that smoke flavor is so good. And it's, it's pretty signature to what we do there. You know, it should be included in the four basic tastes. You, you know, uh-huh. uh, you know, all, you know, the, what is it? Salty, salty, tart, bitter. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. But, but there's, but smoky should definitely be included in that list. Yeah. Because, uh, well, uh, as I you know, seen that Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I don't you know if you've ahead. seen that cookbook, Salt, Acid, Fat, Heat. Yes. Um, yes. I saw. I saw the documentary. Yeah. I, I saw the documentary. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, with Michael Pollan. He's great, by the way. Uh, but there you go. Fire is one of them. So um, I think that we should stop worrying about our taste buds and instead start worrying about where we cook our food. <laughs> I really talk about it from that exactly. perspective. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That that was that was mm-hmm. a good little documentary. Um, yeah, and as we all know, you know, I could I could barbecue shoe leather and it would be delicious. So, uh, uh-huh. yeah, that's 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 kind of my favorite. So, um, COVID, Corona coronavirus pandemic slams into mm-hmm. us in March, turns everybody's mm-hmm. world upside down, and I mean the whole world, you know, not just us. Mm-hmm. Right. And I w- I would like for you to. Take us through the timeline of your your specific experience when they shut us down, when they open you up, when they shut you back down. Uh, just can you take us through that and 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 tell us 
tell us how you were feeling at the time. Like when this happened, like sure. did your heart just drop into your stomach? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, um, we were all watching the news, right? So, and I mean, I remember at the end of February, I was spending a lot of my time at Mosa um, in Hermosa Beach. And, you know, of course, this is the only thing people were talking about. Once the Super Bowl was over, everything was COVID, right? So, mm-hmm. oh, have you heard, you know, Italy locked down? Oh, have you heard, you know, they're doing the same thing in England? And so people are talking about it constantly. We all had very strong opinions. I think every American always thinks that business comes first. And um, I certainly was not expecting us to go on a full lockdown, to be honest. Um, And I think at that time, all of us were naive enough to believe that we are such a great country that we're going to get this under control and we're not going to have to do it. I mean, that was definitely my opinion. Um, So time goes on and it's getting, you know, videos are coming out about how to eat food safely and wearing gloves and, you know, use a face covering and all those scary things that we're used to seeing. And um, our business started to get really slow um, by the end of February. And people were starting to get a little bit more scared of going out. Um, In the beginning of March, we were definitely noticing um, a significant uh, slowdown. And uh, talked to a lot of restaurateurs in the South Bay, and everyone else was experiencing the same thing. There was a lot of slowing down that was happening. People were just going out less. That was the famous toilet paper shortages started right about that time. So you can tell people were like going shopping and trying to stay home. Um, and then San Francisco got their state home order. Um, I think it was like around the 12th or 13th um, that I read about that. I was at South Salt or at Mosa on Sunday night. Uh, this I have to check the calendar to confirm the date, 15th or 16th, whatever, on that Sunday night. We don't show television there at that restaurant. So I was not watching the news. Um, and around 8.30, 9 o'clock, I think it was about 9 o'clock, Gavin Newsom came on the news, and that was when he started talking about us having a stay-at-home order and restaurants and bars had to close down immediately. My friends, I have a great group of friends, all started blowing up my phone with text messages. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was just walking around the restaurant having uh. an idea. And um, so I started looking up the news stories, and sure enough, it's like, you know, we got to close down the restaurants. This is unprecedented. I've never been through anything like this before, and just like everybody. And so I started calling my business partners. I was like, I I don't know if you guys are watching the news. I'm getting text messages about this. I think we're not allowed to open tomorrow. Um, And that really has been the communication about COVID to restaurants, um, in my experience, is um, and I think that this is the part that most of the public doesn't isn't aware of is I'm getting the news at the same time that everyone else is. No one's like calling up a list of restaurant owners and saying, hey, in two days, we're going to issue a stay-at-home order, so plan for this. And you're going to have to close yeah. down by Monday and tell your entire staff not to come to work um, and figure it out, figure out what you want to do. Um, at that point, we realized we could do takeout, but we weren't really built for takeout in either restaurant. Mm-hmm. We were doing a really small proportion of our business was takeaway. And, um, you know, simple things. We didn't have enough containers in the, in the back to even execute a full takeout program. You know, we had, like, leftover containers. I and mean, we weren't prepared for it at all. Um, wow. So, uh, sure enough, we discovered that, you know, we were going to have to close down the restaurant. So, that night, I texted all of the staff that were supposed to come in the next day. I called my GM over at Salsal, told her to do the same, don't come to work. Um, and then we spent the next week kind of giving our staff all the food we had in the walk-in so they could take it home and helping them all fill out unemployment paperwork, which I don't know a lot of restaurant people who've ever done that before. Uh, restaurant business is, mm-hmm. is a great mover in our economy and when you lose one job you can literally walk next door and get another one I mean it's just that's kind of how restaurants are and um, I know I've never filled out unemployment paperwork before so I was sitting with my staff trying to help them with that and that's what we did uh, for the next week we just kind of help everybody and wow. um, yeah it was really and it, it just was, seemed like uh, everything really kind of, the inform- like you said the information was just coming in so many different directions but like you said mm-hmm. not coming directly to anyone so it's like, right. you yeah. know, people are like reading the paper and say, wait, are we supposed right. to be doing this? And, mm-hmm. and like you said, with the unemployment and, and, you know, for my, um, for my law practice, you know, we work with a lot of businesses, a lot of different types of businesses. And we were just, 
you know, trying to keep up as well. People, you know, all our clients were like, yeah. you know, we're shutting down, we're furloughing, you know, what's the difference between a furlough and a layoff and, you know, right. are, are we going to reopen and all these different things yeah. going on. Yeah. I was, I so, my, and when I you've mean, got a staff, are, like you said, when you have your staff to mm-hmm. that looking to you for answers, it's really a difficult position to be in. Yeah, it's tough because you really, you know, you're doing your best. Um, and, you know, I mean, basically all I did was just, I was on Google every morning <laughs> and mm-hmm. calling um, every broker I had for insurance saying, what do I do? Do you guys have any information? Calling my, I have a, kind of a, like an on-call HR company calling them. Do you have any documents? What am I supposed to do? Um, we didn't want to do the wrong thing for our staff because we wanted to make sure they got unemployment. And so we didn't mm-hmm. want to, we didn't know. Do we terminate them? Do we say that they're furloughed? Do we say it's temporary? Are they supposed to be looking for work? How are they supposed to be looking for work? Like it was very complicated. Um, and, you know, it was a little bit of um, kind of village mentality too, like calling your neighbor. What are you doing? You know, how are you handling that? Yeah. What, what did you do for your staff? And that's what we were really doing is kind of helping each other get through it and, you know, struggle, you know, kind of searching for information and figuring it out. Um, you know, the information continues to come to us that way. Um, when we we were at South Sol, we we kind of did some tweaks. We changed our branding a little and ended up doing um, – we switched our plates from the plates that you guys are used to with a kind of big – meats and, and sides and things like that and um, took all of our flavors and put them in a portable uh, format. So we started making burritos and bowls and tacos because we thought that would travel the best and people could still get uh-huh. the flavors of salsal at home without having to worry about the food degrading kind of in the transportation process. And that took uh-huh. a little bit of time and we actually kind of rebranded ourselves and we're now calling ourselves Sausalito. Um, you know, for the time being, our logo is a different color, and we're having fun with it, and um, people are really into it. I think it's, the food is great, um, and it lends itself well to where we are now, which is, you know, kind of eating takeaway food, you know, which sometimes can sit for 20 minutes. And so we had to figure that out, that process of, you know, of making our food more accessible. Um, we were doing really well to go, and then we were watching the news um, right before 4th of July, and Gavin Newsom came on at 12 o'clock and said, great news, restaurants can reopen today. And so we're watching the news. We're like, what does that mean? We don't know what that means. What capacity? What are the rules? Do we have to wear a PPE? Do we, are we allowed to sit inside? Are we allowed to sit outside? Do the tables have to be six feet apart? We don't know. So um, we're refreshing the CDC website. <laughs> it's <really> funny. <laughs> we're sitting there just refreshing the website, waiting for the documents to come up to tell us what we have to do. We don't know. And at the same time, the phone starts ringing off the hook. And well-intentioned, lovely guests who have been dying for us to reopen are like, are you guys going to open? Are you open? The governor says you can oh, open. Boy. Can I make a reservation? Yeah. And we're like, we're figuring <laughs> it out. We don't know. <laughs> I get a margarita. We need the margaritas. Yeah, we're like, I mean, we're going to do our best. Like, give us a few minutes. Let me call you back. And so we're, you know, have one person on the phone, and, you know, we're over here refreshing the screen. I had employees coming in. What do we do now? And I'm like, I don't know. Give me a couple of days, you know. So um, we kind of read through the restrictions, and we quickly turned our dining room. We actually opened that first Friday, um, and we were pretty excited about it. We um, we made sure our tables were more than six feet apart, that nobody would be there. We kind of put sanitized signs on the tables where we knew they were clean. We put do not sit here, social distancing, you know, to mark off the tables that nobody should sit at. Um we got everybody face masks, gloves, you know, everything that we we're supposed to do to open safely, called our staff that had been unemployed, one hour notice, can you come to work tonight? Yes. And they were there. Wow. I mean, our staff has been unbelievable, wow. unbelievable. They've been so great. Um, and honestly, I have to say that the upside to all of these switches back and forth has been the community spirit has been unbelievably positive. Our guests have been so positive. Our staff has been so positive. There's never been a moment where anyone was like, forget this. I don't want to wear gloves. You know, everyone's just doing the right thing. Um, and it's been, it's been great to watch. And then, of course, um, I think a very good social movement happened a couple of days later, and protests started happening across the country for Black Lives Matter. And on our third day of being open, we got shut down for curfew. And mm. so that Friday we were open, and on Sunday we had to close for curfew 
and then um, we had curfew on Monday, and then Tuesday was Blackout Tuesday, and no businesses were open, and so we participated in that and did not open our business. And then on Wednesday, we had curfew, but it wasn't until like 8 o'clock, so we were able to get through most of dinner service. Um, and then thankfully, the curfews were lifted kind of by the weekend. And um, so then we continued that week and a half of kind of 40% capacity in our restaurant to uh, about another week later, or maybe it was two weeks later. I'm sorry, the, the weeks are kind of melting together, but then we got shut down for indoor operations um, because of the spike. Um, which was frustrating because we felt like we were doing everything correct. Um, everybody mm -hmm. was required to wear a mask when they were in the restaurant. We were following all the protocols. So it's frustrating to put all that effort in. We were able to bring back some of our staff, and now we had to let them go again because we only have four tables outside. And right. we just didn't need them again. And uh, so then they went back on unemployment, and uh, we uh, immediately started soliciting the city to build outdoor seating. And the city of El Segundo, and, uh, led by Mayor Drew Boyles, has been unbelievably supportive. Uh, everything has been business first. I mean, really, honestly, um, Rob and uh, Tom at El Segundo Brewing Company were able to um, get the whole Franklin, uh, Richmond Street closed, and there's a huge outdoor dining area. It is beautiful. If you haven't seen it yet, you should definitely go. Um, the Slice and Pint has a big six section of it, so you can go and sit and eat pizza and drink beer and drink wine and sit outside and be really safe. Um, DeLuca has some tables out there. Uh, Second City Bistro has tables out there. It's really cool. Um, at the same time, we were soliciting the city to uh, let us build onto parklets out in front of our restaurant. And uh, we were able to work with our old partner at Mosa, Bob, as a builder, Bob the Builder, and he, uh, builder. Quickly put, <laughs> he quickly put his team together, and we built a deck in a matter of days um, in front of our restaurant, and Sam at the city was unbelievably supportive and quickly got everything turned around and approved so that we had the opportunity to use that, those parklets through the end of, uh, currently we're through uh, September. We're really all hoping that it's going to get extended considering that it doesn't look like we're going to get indoor dining anytime soon. Um, but we were able to do that. We, um, you know, silver lining on every cloud. We'd closed Jaffa earlier this year, so we were able to run over there and grab a bunch of tables and bring them back over here and set them up on our new deck, um, strung some lights, got some speakers. It's a great time. <laughs> we're having a lot it's of fun beautiful. out there. It's really beautiful. Um, it's amazing how beautiful you. these yeah. locations are. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's been really fun. And so, you know, I spend a lot of my time, I have an amazing staff at South Sol. They've all come back, you know, um, super flexible, you know, as we open and close and open and close. Um, our GM <laughs> over there, Amy, is incredibly talented. She does a really good job. And so um, I've been spending my time kind of like going around and seeing what other people are doing. And, um, you know, downtown Manhattan Beach is amazing. So many people have built um, outdoor dining in the parklets. Um, Metlocks on a weekend is a great time. Um, a guitarist will come out sometimes or something like that. And, you know, you go over to Shade Hotel and buy a bottle of wine and go sit in the, in the um, outdoor area with your friends. And it's a good time. I run into people all the time. It's kind of like a little social and, and fun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it kind of feels like we're creating that European outdoor dining now, which I mean, yeah. it's always been a wonder we haven't had that living this close to the beach, that there hasn't been more outdoor dining where you can look at the ocean. So I feel like we're kind of, everybody loves it. You know, it's been a really positive effect. Um, well, I, you know, quite I think pivot, pivot is the word, right? Pardon? Pivot. Pivot, yep. is, pivot is the yeah. word. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> pivot to the left, pivot to the yeah. right, pivot, you know, you're running yeah. and pivoting and, I mean, change yeah. business model and, you know, go from indoors mm -hmm. to outdoors and, 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 mm -hmm. And it seems like a lot of things are accelerating. Like people are now, like you said, outdoor dining is something that a lot of cities have had issues with over the years for permitting and mm -hmm. and and people objecting to outdoor dining. And now it's like a, a quick pivot, and then within weeks, these yep. beautiful outdoor seating ranges with lights and artwork has, mm -hmm. has popped up and really made a, an impact. Yeah, it's really cool. And, like, and I think, um, you know, the guys that have Rockefeller 
did a really good job in front of um, their space, both in Manhattan Beach and in Hermosa. And when you go into Hermosa, the barricades all have, you know, like really fun street art. And it's beautiful. I mean, I think it's really neat. And people are really into it. And I think everyone's really acting in good faith and doing the right thing. Um, You know, once Mm -hmm. in a while you have that guy who shows up and says they don't want to wear their mask and it's, you know, frustrating. Um, And you just politely say, I'm sorry, you have to put it on. You know, you can't be here without it. Um, mm-hmm. Most people get it. Um, my poor staff. I mean, no shoes. You know, so we are in the full of no summer sho- when it's hot and they're wearing face shields. <laughs> no shoes, no shirt, no masks, no service. That's that's the yeah. new the new sign <laughs> no, on the door. Masks are optional. Uh, yeah, it's just no, optional. you know, this, we're outside, so. That's awesome. Yeah. No, Deanne, I'm really yeah. glad that that you scheduled Nancy to, to be here because this is the first time I'm hearing it. Uh, directly from someone that has experienced it. I mean, I've read stuff in the paper. I've seen stuff on the news. But for her to take it like that, step by step by step, it's really the first time I've heard what restaurateurs in particular have had to deal with. Um, yeah, and me too, what's really, actually. Yeah. Well, another, another interesting part of this, Nancy, and, and I want, I want your, what, what you know about this, um, it seems to me that when the shutdown was first announced, when this first happened, I think most of us thought, okay, we just need a couple of weeks, maybe a month, we'll get this under control, and then we'll get back to Mm -hmm. normal. And Mm -hmm. at that time, there wasn't the outdoor dining there is now, right? Uh, People people were doing takeout and stuff, people that had patios, they used their patios. Mm -hmm. I I didn't see anybody really using parking lots at that point. But then when they well, there was no, so they started there was no sit they right there was no seating allowed at all so you weren't able right. to sit outside you weren't able to sit inside there was no seating to take out all oh, okay. yeah all right uh-huh. so so then they started to let you open up a little bit twenty five percent capacity forty percent right. capacity and it was when they shut you down again that everybody was like okay this is going to take longer than anybody expected we need to do st- something now and then all of a sudden all over the South Bay. We saw the parklets and the dining decks going up yeah. all over. I mean, downtown Torrance has shut down three streets. Mm-hmm. Riviera Village. Mm-hmm. Riviera Village is more crowded than it's ever been. Um, I know. It's really Manhattan. fun over there. Yeah. I mm-hmm. know. I know. But in Manhattan, I mean, everybody, every city, it was like, okay, it, 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 is that how you saw it happen? Like, everybody thought, okay, well, we'll get back to normal. We'll start opening. But when they shut you down the second time, is that when everybody said, okay, we need to be in this for the long haul, possibly. Well, I think that the um, – and, you know, I, I, I'm putting myself in a position of speaking for an entire community here, which is really uh, <laughs> not a smart idea. Um, but I think, uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, talk already about expanding into outdoor service and ex- exceeding and building patio space before the, the shutdown. We were all talking about it. How do we – you know, if, if you have more patio space – then you can continue seating people six feet apart because there's only so much you can do inside. And mm-hmm. so that was already a conversation. I know it was a conversation for us, so I'm not going to speak for everyone, but I, I do know we were already having that conversation. Um, I think you when are. the second shutdown came, what happened then was that our city leaders sprung into action and took out all of the obstacles and just made okay. it happen. And that's the big difference is that's where proper yeah. civic leadership really, you can see the effect of proper civic leadership. It's uh, mm-hmm. when, when I called Sam at the city and said, I really need help getting this done. He said, do these things. I said, okay. I went and did <laughs> them all. And then a day later he said, go build your parklet. I mean, it was so fast. And for anyone who's ever tried to do anything with permits, that is historically the most ludicrous if somebody had told me two years ago uh two years from now you're going to be able to get a permit to build an outdoor patio in one day i would have laughed at them i mean there's like no such thing as something turning around that quickly and this is not to disparage local government at all it's just how the wheels turn and um you know they were just super super quick and just took out all of the obstacles which made it super easy for us and um so i'm really grateful to them for making that happen and our neighbor yeah you know yeah our next door neighbor, a flower shop, we have a cupcake shop, and then we have a sandwich shop that are all connected to us in our building. And every one of them was like, Nancy, we support your build out. Of course, whatever you need from us, we'll give it to you. So they took away their parking and they were super excited to be part of it, you know, and it was all about a, a community building 
building and, you know, making sure each of us is successful because if each of us is successful, the whole is more successful, you know. Yes. And I think and the message is for people to start going out and visiting these places now that, you know, it's true the cities have been supportive in, in kind of, like you said, removing barriers. But now I think people need to realize, put on your mask and go out and check out these wonderful, wonderful locations. Because Nancy, like you said, these places are a lot of fun. If anything, yeah. it's kind of revitalized the, the spirit. Like you said, there's this community vibe. Their families out. The you know the restaurants and the businesses really need their you know people to come out and you know. So I, I think that's kind of the message here is these places are fun. There's a new kind of vibe well, it's, to it's it. And it's, and, yeah. it's the only thing that's going on. You can't go to the movies. You can't go to an amusement right. park. Yeah. You know they they had yeah. the beach shut down for a while. I mean there's nothing yeah. else to do. If you want yeah. to see people, other people other than the people that live under your roof. The only thing you can do is is go out is go out and eat. Yeah. And, and you're right; it's it's become a thing. And talking to uh, the various you know chambers and city officials, you know, throughout the South Bay, this is a discussion they are already having about possibly mm-hmm. trying to make some of these outdoor dining decks and parklets maybe maybe down the road they become a permanent feature. You know, I know I that everybody, in, wants it. yeah, mm-hmm. e- e- yeah, everybody's onto that. And and by the way. Mm-hmm. Aren't we fortunate that this is something we can do year round? Because once the cold weather sets in back east, yeah. you know mm-hmm. that that's yeah. that, that's going to really devastate yeah. them if, if if something hasn't been found to alleviate what's happening by then. Right. Uh, but we can we're do really lucky year round. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're really lucky. Yeah. And and that's yeah. something I think you know uh, restaurants impact pretty much everybody's daily life. Um, but it's it's easy to forget all of the other industries that are really impacted severely by this. I mean, um, I have uh, a bunch of family that work in entertainment, and you know, re- uh, musicians are have been out of work for oh, a year yeah, and will be for yeah. another year probably. Um, and these are people who are gig workers essentially, so there is no unemployment to support that industry, um, and it's dead. It's completely gone. Um, everybody can't wait for a concert to come back, but no one thinks of that as a daily part of their life. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's, you know, certainly impactful, especially here in California. Um, and, you know, of course, you know, in studio filming is completely different than it's ever been before sports. I mean, there's so many, so many things about our lives that are different. Restaurants are one piece of it that it's easy to recognize because I think we all have a daily touch with them, but, um, you know, there's so many other industries that have been impacted and it's just really nice to see how people really are trying every way they can to be supportive of each other. And, and that's what, that's what I've gotten out of it. Um, we're just, we're just trying yeah. to survive and not, not close down at this point. And I think that's kind of a universal thought process at this point. Well, on, you know, unfortunately, um, I think we, in this situation from the beginning, I think everybody was very optimistic that, we would get it under mm-hmm. control. We're the United States of America. We can do anything, right? right. Um, mm-hmm. hasn't hasn't been the case. That has not been the case. And I don't know, maybe because of what I do for a living with with my website, it's an event calendar. When all of this came down, yeah. I mean, my event calendar shrunk to nothing. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. was not everybody's going to take it down. We're cancel, cancel, cancel. But then. You know, that's when I personally started thinking this is going to get way worse before it gets better. And yeah. mm-hmm. when they when they started announcing, okay, now we know the Rose Bowl, uh, the Rose Parade has been canceled. There's not mm-hmm. going to be a Rose Bowl football game, fo- college football. I know the Big Ten and the Pac-10 have already said there's not going to be a fall season. Uh, Radio City, mm-hmm. they're not doing their Christmas spectacular this year. I'm already getting mm-hmm. stuff, talking to people stuff in February and March have already been canceled. They're not happening. This is going Mm -hmm, to, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, for me, I'm looking at possibly next spring, possibly next spring, uh, things Mm -hmm. loosening up a little bit. But I said back in April, the holiday season, you know, I mean, I'm with you. Yeah. 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 you know, so I, I've been looking long term. I've been looking at the calendar long term, and seeing what's happening, and talking to people. You know that know these things. You know, I'm mm-hmm. talking to event planners. Yes. Yeah. 
You know, mm-hmm. uh, so, so, you know, yeah, you know, it's just the, really it's the cool last year. Happened. It's the last year. Yeah. Yeah. Something that's really interesting that's come out of this is, um, is famous events kind of learning a new way to do things, right? Like, um, I, I think you guys recently talked to Nick Arquette about like a new twist on White Light White Night where they did kind of a virtual yeah. thing at home, which I thought was really clever. A lot of uh, people I know participated in that. Um, no, it's still coming, it's coming up LA. August 22nd. Oh, sorry, I just want okay, to good. clarify. Yeah. White Light go. is a this August 22nd coming up. Yeah, sure. buy your kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, the other thing is that's really cool is um, Dine LA has always been something that I think a lot of people have looked forward to in Los Angeles, and they do it twice a year in January and in July. And obviously the July Dine LA had never happened. So Dine LA um, put together a program and it's free to, part- to restaurants that have participated in Dine LA before. It's, pretty, it's a pretty significant investment usually. We pay about $1,000 to participate. And so they've waived that fee. And what they're doing is they're promoting anything you want. It doesn't have to be a formal three-course meal. And, um, and we can do a couple of different Dine LA things. So we're, we're participating in Dine LA this year, and we'll be doing a lunch and a dinner special like we always have. And then additionally, we're going to do a family meal to go. So if you are not comfortable eating in the restaurant, you can do a Dine LA meal at home. And then we're also offering advanced bookings on caterings. And if you book something during Dine LA, you'll get a discount when you execute your event sometime in 2021. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are canceling weddings, canceling baby showers, bridal showers, birthday parties, and everybody wants to celebrate these things, right? So someday, 2021, um, when it's time to put your friends and family together, hopefully 2021, um, you know, celebrating in different ways. If you weren't able to have a baby shower, let's do a first birthday party. And if you eloped during COVID, uh, I think that's lovely. Let's have like a fun one-year anniversary party. Um, I think people still are going to really want to celebrate together, and it's an opportunity to kind of talk about looking forward. And when you, in my opinion, if you're looking forward to something, maybe that will encourage you to do the right thing today (laughs) and really start to be a little bit more aware of uh, personal protection and washing your hands and wearing your masks and keeping everybody as safe as possible so we can go back to normal as quickly as we can or whatever our new normal is going to be. Yes, it, it remains to be seen. Nancy, do me a favor. Give us the address, the website, um, any contact information you want to give out. Uh, uh, where can people find your menus? Sure. So our address is sure. The restaurant's located at two nineteen Main Street and El Segundo, right at Main Street and Franklin, a block. Uh, which direction is that? South of Grand. Um, our website is sausal.com. That's S-A-U-S-A-L.com, like short for Sausalito. And our menus are there. You can order online directly and prepay on our website. We offer curbside pickup. And um, we do delivery through DoorDash. And then, of course, there's sign-in. Um, you can make reservations on Resi, and there's a link on our website for that as well. Um, the rules during COVID are that we can't seat more than six people at a table. Um, the rules, according to the health department, are that you're supposed to be from the same family. Um, you're not supposed to be mixing uh, families. We do have um, – there's a this – I don't know if you participate at all in a COVID pod. I am a single lady, and I have a couple of girlfriends of mine that are also single ladies, and we are participating in a pod together. And so um, we're open to seating people like that in a group, and I think that's fine. Um, but, you know, wear a mask when you come in. You can take your mask off when you're at the table. But when you're getting up to use a restroom, please always wear a mask uh, everywhere that you go um, and help control the spread of the virus so that we can all be healthy. Good advice. I have not used a restaurant, a public restroom during COVID. Uh, <laughs> just they're that really close space. The right time to do yeah, it. Yeah, I know. They're really clean. Yeah. No, the, the, they're the really clean. I, we've, gone out, we've gone out for dinner. I've just, I've just avoided that situation. So, um, yeah. uh, all right, we have got to wrap this up. Uh, we, uh, this is the South Bay Show. We've been speaking with Nancy Rankovich from Sasal in El Segundo. Uh, Nancy, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank, thank you, Nancy. You it's been me. great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And and thank you, Deanne. We just have a couple more Happy weeks. Happy to be here. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> All right. 
All right. That's our show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. And be sure to tune in tomorrow morning for Manhattan Beach Chamber 360. Bye-bye now. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 